please go with me to our Father in a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. We, uh, we know that we are blessed to be here. We know that uh, your spirit is here, and we know that you are scheduled to speak to us every time we read the scriptures, and we're grateful for that opportunity to hear you speak to us. We pray that we will take these proverbs that you have given to us and apply them to our lives and that we will look at uh, practical ways in which we can uh, allow ourselves to let our light shine in a positive way to all those who uh, seek to know you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think it is. Yes, it's green. Can you hear me? Am I? Do I need to crank up the volume? Or okay. Uh, where's Paul? It's not here. Uh, okay. I want to thank uh, a whole lot of people. I want to thank Joe and uh, Dee for setting up the slides. Uh, do something a little bit different this time. Uh, as I understand, I also want to thank uh, Will Evans for taking the class last week. As many of you know, I was uh, uh, undergoing some medical procedures. By God's grace, I was able to come through those pretty well. I went in for an angiogram, thinking, you know, you're just going to take a look at stuff. And he got in there and said, ooh, we got, we got to do some <laughs> repair work. It turns out that I have some uh, clogged uh, blood vessels on the surface of my heart that feeds and nourishes the heart. So while he was in there, he decided to throw some stents in, which is, you know, it's, it's not the most comfortable experience because they don't totally knock you out. So, yeah, <laughs> really. Especially since they insert a, uh, the probe through your groin. So, you know, I won't even go into all that. <laughs> but uh, by God's grace, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. Uh, they went in and put the stents in. I spent the night. Uh, and then he said, we got to see you again next week. So one of the reasons I wasn't here last week is because I was recovering from that. And this past Tuesday, I went in again, I went and looked. Uh, they performed a, a procedure called an FFR, which goes in and looks at the blood flow and determines how much oxygen is being exchanged to the surfaces of your lungs, I mean, your heart. And he said it was good enough to where they could just do, treat it with medication. So I had to take a, a, a mini pharmacy this morning. <laughs> I'm a drug user now. <laughs> I took a whole bunch of drugs this morning. and. Uh, I, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy to be back and still be breathing and walking and talking and all that sort of thing. I was, yeah, I missed you all too. Uh, and I thank you for your prayers. And I'm looking forward to uh, us uh, getting something out of this uh, uh, study. Uh, Sean is passing out a handout that's not really it's kind of something that I thought about as I was working on the lesson. Uh, as we talk about um, Proverbs, obviously we know that there's a, there's a lot of discussion about the fear of God. There's a lot of discussion about the father talking to his son. And so I, I, I just thought to myself, you know, we live in a very unique situation here in America. And so I, I, I went and did a little research online while I was sitting there in the doctor's office waiting to get seen. I had some time on my hands and I thought, here's a father talking to his son. And he's giving him all this valuable information. He's given him, in some instances, 
life and death stuff, stuff that's going to determine whether he'll stray and go, you know, get caught up by one of the things that hopefully we'll get to today, the adulterous woman. And fathers can give some advice on how to avoid that. Uh, but think about those homes where there is no father. Think about some of those people who have had to deal with a situation where they didn't have the, the wisdom of a, a father to say, son, you don't want to go that way, you want to be, avoid those kinds of things, you want to maybe perhaps focus your, your attention on this thing over here. And so I, I'm not going to go through all the statistics there, but as you can see from the, uh, the handout that was given to you called the, the fatherhood factor, I ran through, I, I, I brought them down really quickly. I did a spell check on it, but there might still be some errors there, so if it's an error there, please don't get mad. Don't throw anything at me. Uh, the intent is, is to just give us the impression of the understanding of how important fatherhood is and some of the dilemma that we might be faced with in America. 17.4 uh, million people live in, uh, no, it's, that's, that's not it. Uh, do you have any more? 17.4 million live in a father-absent home. That's, that's a lot of folks. Now, a lot of people that came up in fatherless homes, that for whatever reason, father was uh, deceased or became ill or, or was in the war or whatever, a lot of people turned out just fine. But I, I say that also for, I remember when I was at a, a, another congregation, one of the elders took it upon himself to make sure that he put special effort into providing some kind of fatherly parental uh, type guidance for young men that didn't have a father in the home. And, and, and it's, it, a lot of research has been shown that, that determines that male presence has a dramatic impact upon on sons and daughters. The incidence of unwanted pregnancies is much higher for homes that didn't have a father there. The incidence of young men who get into a lot of violence or, or carry guns or get into drugs or get into smoking and doing a whole lot of those other things are very different for families that grew up without a father in the home. So fathers, we have an awesome responsibility. As awesome as the mother's responsibility. I mean, you don't have to defend the mother's responsibility. Everybody knows that's number one, right? Yes, Amen. <laughs> Point for me. <laughs> Okay, but uh, just give some thought to that, especially as we uh, listen to some of, the, uh, some of the words of wisdom that are given to us in Proverbs. Uh, he talks about the fear of God and how important that is. But, you know, the thing is, is that one of the things that I've noticed is repetition is a, a really significant part of what we see in Proverbs. And we as parents... <laughs> We use repetition a lot, too. But what does repetition do? It reinforces it. It makes you know that this is really important. It makes you, it, you know, especially, and at some point during this, it, you'll, you'll see, it reminds me of what Naomi's mother used to say. She'd say, now I want you to listen to me and listen real good. <laughs> and when she said that, it was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> it was like, okay. Uh, you, you, you draw special attention to it. And so, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, the 14th and 9th verse, you might not be able to see it up there, but you can turn to it in your own Bibles. It says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart and press them on your children. Talk, to, talk about them uh, when you sit in your home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and, you, and tie them as symbols to your, uh, to your hands and bind them on, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what's that saying? I mean, I don't think many of us write anything on our foreheads, but, but how, what is, what is the, the practical, pragmatic application of what he's saying here? Keep it in front of him all the time. Now, how do you do that? Pardon? Repetition. Uh, and, and you incorporate things uh, in your everyday dialogue. Uh, you talk about uh, scriptural examples. You talk about uh, things that happen in the Word of God. Those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning through, we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, you know, when, when, a, when an opportunity comes up, and we're gonna, in, the, in the, the fifth chapter, hopefully God, you know, if I don't ramble too much, we get to the fifth chapter of, of Proverbs. He talks about the adulterous woman. There's a, a, a lot of stuff there that, you know, that he talks about in terms of ways to avoid that. Uh, ways to avoid getting entangled into those kinds of things. So, uh, also in Psalms uh, 78, uh, oh my people, hear my teachings, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter hidden things uh, from old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Think about the children and, and some of the stories that you have shared with them as they were growing up. How much of your life that you lived do your children know about? What are some of the examples? What are some of the things that you told them? Do they know about uh, your high school life? So that when they come up against some of those same sort of things, that somebody in here probably came up against some bullies. Uh, you know, you might have a, con a conversation with them about how to deal with that. Uh, I, I would imagine that children would want to know how their parents met. <laughs> uh, and, and our children know how my wife, you know, selected me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> but, uh, that, that, you know, because at some point, our children are going to go out and look for a spouse. And, and what are they going to look for? Uh, you know, for the, to a great extent, extent, they're going to look for some of the examples that they see lived before them. So what kinds of things do we do to transmit those positive images, examples, and things before our children so that when they get out there on their own, they know they can kind of have a template to work with? What kind of things do we do? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. How we treat strangers, welcoming people in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for, for people that, you know, for instance, if you work in the food pantry, 
your kids can see how you show hospitality and show how you show uh, benevolence to people. Uh, we used to go out and feed the homeless on the streets. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, our son was with us one time. We were out on the streets, and we used to see some of the same people all the time. And we stopped at this one stop, and he was talking to this guy. And we were kind of like, come on, man, we got, you know, we got to go to the next stop. And he was standing there, and he was talking to this guy, and talking to this guy, and talking to this guy. Now, the good news is he was showing the guy some respect. This guy had you know, probably been on the street for years. And some of these people I talked to, they, they had been on the street for years in weather like this. And so when he finally came back to the car, to the van, I said, son, what, what was that all about? Why were you holding us up? He said, dad, that guy kept telling me, he said, whatever you do, stay in school. Now, I could have told my son that a thousand times. And he was still like, yeah, dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you're supposed to say, because you're dad, right? But this guy that's living on the street that says to him, whatever you do, stay in school. Pay attention. And he, he, they stood there and talked for a good five minutes. So he gave him a lot of details on, you don't want to end up like this. So pay attention to what your parents are saying. Do what they're telling you. And, and you know, maybe things will work out for you. So uh, I want to look at, and I don't think it's on this slide. Let's go ahead and here's what I did. I, uh, I put the, the scriptures. You know, I think uh, Will only got to chapter 3. The intent was to get through chapter 3 and 4. So we're starting with 4. And hopefully, the words will come up on this. But if they don't, we have a backup. We have one of our best scripture readers right here in the audience is going to read for us. So Paul, if this doesn't come up, just read through uh, Proverbs 4, if you would, please. So let's see what happens. The Proverbs. OK, it works. Chapter 4. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction, let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just 
is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Okay. So, uh, my intent is to read each uh, uh, division of the Proverbs, and, uh, and then just have some discussion about it. So, before we go into that, though, who wrote this? Who, who, do, you, who do we know as the, the, the principal or the primary? Okay, and, and so, imagine the conversation <laughs> that he had with his dad. What are some of the things we know about his dad? He was a man after God's own heart. However, comma, he did some stuff. <laughs> okay, so, so what kind of things would a, would a father say to his son uh, uh, that, that wrote this, that we're going to get, you know, this is the word of God speaking to us, amen? But, but God endowed certain men to give certain messages based upon some of the experiences that they had. If you turn with me to 1 Kings, the second chapter. 1 Kings, the second chapter, and I'll just start reading for the sake of time so we don't miss too much. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of the earth, he said, and so be strong. Show yourself a man and, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in the ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and his requirements as written in the law of Moses so that you may prosper in all that you do and whatever, wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promises to me. If your descendants watch you, watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, you know, obviously, you know, he, he had a, he had a father, David, but he also had a mother. Uh, and so there's some lessons that, you know, p children learn from fathers and mothers. Amen? Something that it took me a while to learn. Uh, but my, the guy who was the best man at my wedding, we used to talk all the time because he was the choir director at my college and we'd hang out all the time and used to work together and all that kind of stuff. And at one time, I was talking to him about my father because we were really, really close. And at one time, I was saying something about my father, and he said to me, you know what? There's some things about your daddy's life that's none of your business. And so, I mean, and I say that to say this. There, there are, you, we share things with our children, right? But there, I mean, do you think that David had a talk with his son about Bathsheba? Or did he need to? Or was it just common knowledge? Or you know, uh, there's, there's some things about your past that, you know, you don't necessarily want to reveal. Or maybe you can reveal it in such a way 
that could be very useful. It could be very beneficial. Son, here's a landmine. Don't step on it. You know, and, and that's kind of what we see in, in, the, in the fifth division when he talks about the adulterous woman. So, um, do our children listen to everything we say? Is it natural for them to push back? I would imagine, I'm just guessing now, some of us in here probably push back. Uh, and, and, and when you get older, you realize that your parents are smarter than you thought they were. <laughs> and our kids realize that we weren't so stupid after all. You know, it's like the old people, they just don't get it. <laughs> but then as you get older, it's like, yeah, you know, I can remember my father used to tell us, you know, because this was back in the days before dishwashers. Y'all remember that? Yeah, this, this was the dishwasher. <laughs> and my dad used to say, make sure you wash the, the dishes real clean, because if you don't, you'll get sick. And I used to think, yeah, right. <laughs> and then I got to college, and I became a biology major, and I discovered, uh, studied microbiology and parasitology and all that kind of stuff. I said, you know what, that old guy, he kind of knew a little something, something. <laughs> he, he, you know, you hear all these diseases, that are in these microorganisms that you can't even see, that you can pick up on a doorknob, you know, let alone trying to eat off of a plate that's not clean. So, you know, we find out over time that our parents know a little something. In verse 4, uh, in verse 4 he says, he taught me and said, lay hold on my words with your heart and keep my commandments and you will live. How do, how do keeping those commandments help us to live. How do keeping the commandments or the instructions of our parents give us life? Right. You know, children, I mean, we all are to some extent influenced by peer pressure. At whatever age you are, you see people doing stuff and you think, ah, that looks pretty good, you know. Uh, sometimes you can tell your children things that can really have an impact upon life and death. Whether you go here or go there or do this or do that. Uh, in verse 10, he talks about, listen, my son, and accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. How does that compare with Ephesians 6 and 1? And what's the reward for that? You're going to live long. I know some people whose lives are going to get cut short because of the way they treated their parents. I, I, I know a particular person who was in the military who, whose mother came to stay with them, and she had an altercation with his wife. And so she went back, they were overseas, and she went back to the States, and she had been working to take care of his kids for the, for the last few years, and so she didn't have a job when she got back. She was behind on a mortgage, she couldn't do anything, but this guy is making six figures, but he pretty much said, she's on her own. Just let it go. And so there are, there are things that people do that can have an impact upon their parents and upon uh, themselves that can shorten their lives. If you don't treat your parents with respect, you know, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, that you'll live long on the earth. So what's the opposite of that? 
treat your parents bad, then you wonder why things are happening in your life that's not going like they're supposed to. Let's look at verse uh, 12. Uh, when you walk, your steps will be hampered, will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Why do you think he put the uh, analogy in there of walking and running? What's the difference? You're traveling, right? When you walk through life, how is that different from when you're running through life? And what are some of those circumstances that would align with walking and running? Okay. Okay, that's just everyday stuff. You're just moving through life, doing what you do, and that's that. So what's running in life? Because he says if you, if you do the right stuff, when you run, you won't stumble. So, so what's an, what's an example? Well, we got an example of walking through life. You go to work, you do what you're supposed to do, you pay your bills, you, you treat your wife right, you treat your husband white, right, you, you, you're good to your neighbors, you don't cuss people out in public, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, Paul. What? Cuss? What did you say? That's right. So, yeah, that's, that's obvious stuff. So, what's an example of running through life? Yeah. Okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so, to a great extent, you have to kind of have a, a contingency plan already in place to, okay, this is how you do this. Uh, and, and be prepared to deal with those kind of situations. Uh, and if you're living the right life, if you're living a good Christian life, uh, I've often told you about the story of my, uh, our sister in Christ that was in Italy. Uh, when, when Naomi had to get emergency medevac to, to Germany, the doctor came in and said, you gotta get on the next emergency medevac and you're going, we're going next, the, the next one pulling out of here. Our children were at home. Uh, a sister in Christ, who was an Italian sister, tried to get on the base the day before, and they wouldn't let her on the base because she was an Italian. She was insistent on coming and see her sister. And it so happened that the day that we had to do the emergency medevac, she persisted so much at the front gate that they let her in. And when I went down to make the phone call, because this was before cell phones and all that stuff, I went down to make the phone call to try to call my house to you know, tell the kids we were getting ready to go and stand by, somebody's going to come there. I went back up to the room and this sister was there. She was just there. God just sent her to be there. I mean, she was turned away the day before, but the next day she was there at the right time. And our relationship was such that I didn't even say anything to her. I just handed her my car keys, went with Naomi, jumped on the ambulance and left. We were close enough to where she knew it was an emergency situation and she just fell right into place. So that, that was a running situation, okay? That wasn't a regular, everyday, mediocre, get through life kind of situation. And because God had blessed us to have that kind of Christian family around us, which is something that we should have here, amen? 
That's one of the things that life groups do, is to kind of build those close relationships so that if something's happening to me or something's going on, somebody's going to be there to kind of look, for, look out for us or to take care of us. Look at 14 through 17. Uh, that talks about, uh, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of men, evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. What are some of those kinds of examples of everyday, practical, wicked stuff? Some of you will remember, uh, I think it was Music Man, where he says, we got trouble right here in River City with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for poo. Now, back in those days, going to the pool hall was bad juju. It was like, ooh, gangsters hang out there. You know, they smoke cigarettes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Yeah, that's right. Oh, All right, brother. Back a brother up. Yeah. So, so what, what? You know, there's all kind of stuff. That, vaping. They try to make it look like it was something really, you know, an alternative to cigarettes. It's worse than cigarettes. People are dying from this stuff because they told them it was innocent. And so, you know, we. You, you might have a conversation with your kids about vaping or smoking, or some of the stuff that they're going to come up against you know, with people that they're hanging out with. And it doesn't have to be teenagers. Little kids. I mean, we have an awesome responsibility as parents. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. You raise a very important point. We didn't have to worry about Facebook when we were kid, when I was a teenager, uh, or you know, even cell phones. There's stuff that can come through. Some stuff comes through on my cell phone. I say, well, how in the world did they get there? Stuff comes in on my Facebook page, and I, you know, I still haven't figured out this Facebook thing. I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of like voodoo to me. <laughs> I, I have three Facebook pages, and I don't even know how I got them. One of them I set up, and one of them I set up accidentally, and the other one, I don't know how it got there. But stuff comes in on there. You know, they talk about fake news out there. I saw something this morning that just was really crazy. I mean, and this is just an example, but they, they, they're talking about this dog that has no legs. And it's just, you know, it's easy to carry about in your purse and your pouch and all that. It's just, but you know, but what I'm saying is, this stuff that's out there that has, uh, Rationalize, I mean, has radicalized people. These kids that go out and decide they're going to shoot up everybody at school, how do you think that, you know, that, some of that stuff they, they get off, offline, and some of these websites that are out there tell, talk about crazy stuff, and they glorify uh, real violence and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, that we need to know where our kids are going online. 
We need to know what this on their cell phone. We need to know where they go in the evenings or what they do after school. We need, you know, we, they accuse us of being helicopter parents. Y'all know what that is, right? Just hovering over them all the time. But we, all the more now, we need to really be on top of what our children are doing. Because in my, I grew up in a community where everybody knew, everybody knew who the Wamba kids were. And if I messed up at school before I got home, the folks knew about it, okay? And, and, and they might have disciplined me at school, and then when I got home, I got disciplined again. Everybody's working now. You know, mom's working, dad's working, everybody's working, you know, and so we really have to, to, to make a special effort to be on top of what our kids are doing so that we can be the kind of parents God wants us to be, yes. It is. Right. It's not just high school. It's in grade school. Little kids decide, well, I think I'm going to be a boy now. Little girls. And they just, you know, they, and, they, and they push it to, to the school supporting them and call him Bob now instead of Sally. Yes. Yes. come home from work and there would be like five young women at my house and they a lot of them call me dad and I felt kind of bad about it in a way because I was like there's a real dad somewhere else that you know is a biological dad ought to be doing this stuff that I'm doing and they know that if they were at our house on Wednesday night you go into Bible class tonight so what I'm saying is you fortify your kids to the extent where they are like this bright shining light and when they come into your home it's a bright shining light and you're talking about God, and you're living like God wants you to live. And, and it's in your everyday conversation. And, you're, and, and that'll be contagious to the extent that when those kids come there and they leave, 
the Wamo household, they know, you know, this, well, you know, that's, that's not what they said over there. And when we went to Bible class with them, this is what they told us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. thing is though we, we are soldiers of the cross we are ambassadors for Christ we bring up our children the way God tells us to do they those those worldly secular people out there in the world don't have a chance if we do it right our children will be that bright shining light to where people will come to us and they'll say they keep their words and and they, they focus in their heart they have clean and honest language they do the right stuff. They go to church. They do all that kind of stuff that God wants them to do. Amen. Yes. I just want to piggyback on that. Just say uh -huh. responsibility is to the parents. Yes. So, you know, you have responsibility. They live in your home. Mm -hmm. Responsibility comes to you. So, by example, mm -hmm. as both of you guys talked about, you fortify your kids. Amen. That's right. Uh, our son, one, I, I had to go up to school. He was sitting reading his Bible at lunchtime, and they said, you can't read that. You can read Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye has some really, you know, salty language in it. But you can't read the Bible. So anyway, that's, that's a whole other story. Move from evil, stay on the straight and narrow. And you know what? Your kids are going to go live, 
learn more by your example than they will by what you just say to them. You get in the car and you don't buckle your seatbelt, they, they notice it. You know, because you put some buckle your seatbelt, right? Uh, so uh, that's, that's just kind of important. I, I need to move on so we can uh, at least get to chapter five. The Proverbs, chapter five. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof! and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So, this is one of the, the I, we don't, we're out of time. Uh, but the thing is, uh, obviously, how many men do you know that have been destroyed by adultery? I mean, or by sexual immorality? So let's start with Samson. <laughs> he kind of messed up, right? Uh, David kind of messed up his life. Uh, we could think of some contemporary people today in today's society, even presidents of the United States who have allowed Clinton, uh, our current president. You know, they, those, those, I say that not to throw stones at them, but to say this is a very real situation. This is a, a, a and he talks about in here, uh, pay attention to wisdom, be discreet. He talks about the, the lips of the immoral woman, the, the things that, it's very enticing. You know, you, you think you train up your son and say, you know, don't do this stuff. And then when he gets out there, ooh, it's pretty nice. And the next thing you know, a good person can get pulled into that. David was a good man, but he lost his mind when he saw that woman on the roof. You know, and it can, if it can happen to David, it can happen to just about everybody. I used to go to, uh, when, when we go to sea, uh, and, and you go across on the other side of the world, it's a lot of guys that say, oh, you know, my marriage vows don't count anymore. <laughs> you know, 
And then they come back, a lot of them come back and say, I don't want to be married anymore. Uh, there's some very enticing stuff out there. You know, people that get caught up in the drugs, they don't get up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to go out and be a drug addict. You know, they, it, it happens to them, and really good, decent people that got started out on opioids, you know, because they got a, you know, a, a pain from, from surgery. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to watch that stuff. Uh, you know, people, really good, decent people, and then they, they, they you know, they, they get sort of opioids, they can't get contact with that, and so they go out and they get heroin. That's an epidemic across America, because heroin is cheaper than some of the opioids. So they go out and then find him a local drug dude, or do that, and start doing drugs. Yeah, it is time. I was here to explain the last point that you made. Uh, explain the current president? I mean, it's just like the Bible says. It's a very tempting type thing. And if what what's that? I'm saying that a statement that you made, somebody mentioned, you also mentioned the current president. Yeah. And I'm saying that I'll see you first today to explain. Okay. The current president is being described by adultery. Okay. Okay, yeah, 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 we could talk for a couple of weeks on that, but uh, the thing is, the, 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 the bottom line is rejoice in the wife of your youth. God sees, and God sees everything. You go out and you try to do crazy stuff. Uh, uh, there's a statistic out there that says a median length of time for a marriage these days is 11 years. That's the median. Uh, half of all marriages end up in divorce. The Bible says, enjoy the wife of your youth. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. People that are married, concentrate on making it work. Those are one of the, the, the only things I said to my daughter when she got married. Well, I said two things. I said, don't embarrass your husband in public. And I said, just, y'all stay together. Just stay together. You're going to hit some bumps. Try to work that stuff out. Remember what it was that brought you together that, that, that compelled you to love each other enough to say, I do. Okay, that's it. Well, <laughs> thank you for your participation. <laughs>